You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and we answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your own authority, financial planning, retirement accounts, you name it. We'll talk about it here. All you have to do is join us. And uh, you know what? We're just going to get right to those phone calls tonight. We're going to head off to Indiana. John, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Kevin. What can I help you? I with got today? some fuel. Got some fuel issues. Uh, noticed last week, trucks took a nose dive really hard in fuel. Um, I'm down around about four point seven miles a gallon. Uh, a little bit lower. At least I just said about four point five. Ouch. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a cat engine. Uh, it's a five ek cat. Low horsepower. Uh, Three hundred and fifty five horsepower. Uh, it's got a 10 speed transmission with 390 gears. Uh, I noticed the problem last week when I, uh, I blew out a coolant line, had to put a new steel coolant line in. Uh, I noticed that the, uh, wastegate wasn't working on the turbo. It was froze, uh, stuck shut. Uh, I took the wastegate off. We put a new wastegate on, uh, ever since I put a new wastegate on, I have plummeted in fuel mileage. Interesting. Um, how long have you owned this truck? I've physically owned the truck for five years, only drove it for a year. I've got about 82,000 miles on this truck that I physically put on it. Um, I bought the truck basically just as a spare truck. Um, I used to have a classic with a Detroit in it, had uh, 2.7 million on it, uh, broke the wrist pin, uh, and sent the rod out to the side of the block. So I retired it, um, put this one on the road and I haven't had no problems out of it. I mean, for, uh, a five EK cat, uh, it, man, it's been a really good truck, uh, has cost me bare minimum to operate, um, maintenance what, costs, uh, you know, just your general pri- prior to this problem. <laughs> what was the fuel economy? Uh, fuel mileage was about five and a half on a windy day. Uh, about five point seven on a really good day. Uh, so now that's running sixty-five to sixty-seven mile an hour um, from Evansville to St. Louis is what I normally run. Okay, so the fuel economy's never really been good, but we've lost about a gallon. I, I'm going to say that you know, without having good history, without being able to see you know the whole progression of fuel economy, my first thought is that it's very possible that the wastegate closing actually made fuel economy better. And that can happen. Wastegates are an inefficient turbo. They're, they're designed so that you can put the same turbo on multiple engines with different horsepower ratings. Used to be that every engine, every horsepower rating had its own turbo. 
Uh, or right. if there was a big enough spread, then they said, well, wait a minute, we could throw a wastegate in there, manufacture one turbo for multiple trucks, keep our costs down. So all the people who right. believe that OEMs build the absolute best truck they could possibly build, that's insane. When people tell me, oh, if that product you were talking about really worked, the OEM would put it on the truck. Not only will the OEM not upgrade the truck, they they work hard just to get their cost down, and they don't even care what it does to the efficiency of the truck. This is a great example. They used to use different turbos, which was a good thing, and then they said, oh, wait a minute. Look, we could save money. It'll screw the end user, but they'll never know, and we don't care. So I, right. I, I think if you were to go to a non-wastegated turbo, you may see that mile per gallon come back. And that's what I'm wondering. Um, I mean, the truck had, when I bought this truck, had 411,000 miles on a 95 model truck. Um, it's an old rider lease truck. Uh, I bought it from rider. Uh, I bought it strictly as a spare. Um, it's got 502,000 on it now. Um, very low mileage for the year of the truck. I mean, the truck's not the best looking truck in the world, but it, it runs good. Structurally, it sounds. Uh, I do have an 84 Pete that I'm restoring at the house, uh, 359 model. And I've got a B model cat in it, same horsepower on the, on the, on the engine. Now I have a brand new turbo lane at the house for that engine. Can I use that turbo for this engine? That's a question. I would give Pittsburgh power a call with that question. I don't know. You might be able to, but, but they will know that for sure. Uh, so I would, would check with them on that one, but I think that's probably where you lost your mile per gallon. Like I said, five and a half, this truck's never gotten good fuel economy, but that's about normal for the rental trucks. The the riders and the uh, Penske rental trucks that I get, fuel mileage was always horrible on those trucks. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Larry, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. How you doing? Doing good. What can I help you with today? Uh, I have a question. Uh, I hope containers out of the rail yard now and i applied with landstar but i kind of second guess myself and i just want to know do you think it will be worth making a switch well it depends i mean we have to look at why you're making the switch i can tell you if it's money you can make a whole lot more money at landstar than you can pull in containers no question uh pull in containers my guess is you're home a lot That was the main thing, is to make a lot more money. Well, then you clearly can. You know, pulling containers just doesn't pay that great. The advantage is you can be home a lot. You don't need an expensive truck. You know, you don't have the cost of being out on the road. Um, But it it really just doesn't pay all that well. Now, Landstar, on the other hand, rates are up right now, and Landstar is a great place to be. Okay. Long-time listener. I, I bought a truck before this one I have currently, and it was a, a 12.7, but it, it it had a lot of hidden problems. So I wind up trading into it to something a little bit newer. And for now, this is what it's going to be until I make enough money to go buy a glider. Got it. Well, like I say, if money is the reason, then Landstar is a great place. Now, the other nice thing about Landstar is if you work at it, you can put together some some lanes and some areas that will keep you home a lot. So, 
And like I say, the money will be better. Let's go to Texas. Bob, welcome to the program. Sounds like somebody's there. Bob, are you with me? Going once. Uh, You know what, Bob? I'm going to put you back on hold, and we'll see if we can get that figured out. Let's go to Illinois. Matt, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How are you? Doing good. What can I help you with today? Oh, I got dumb, and I went upgraded upgraded from my 96 Freightliner Classic with an old N14 and bought an old 7 Pete with one of these wonderful ISX motors. Uh-oh. I, I, yeah, I have, buddy. I have a feeling this is not a story with a happy ending. <laughs> oh, it isn't happy. I really wish I would have never got rid of my, my Classic. Uh, what I got, this hoopty's got a hunk of junk geometric turbo on it, and I blew an exhaust gasket out. I actually broke two bolts off on a number two hole on the manifold. And, of course, it's got the block all blackened up. And I'm assuming, being a geometric turbo, that this thing has to have all the gaskets in place and blah, blah, blah. Hence, my fuel mileage is going in the toilet. And I was just wondering, um, I suppose Pittsburgh would probably be the guys to call and find out the ins and outs on these DGR and these N14 or these uh, ISX motors. Uh, what else I can do with this thing besides getting a bullet and shooting it? Yeah, and then shoot myself. <laughs> yeah, drive it, drive it into the hood. You know, leave the leave it running, leave the keys in it, open the door, make a big scene so somebody sees you and, and run away, uh, and, and then you know go home and call the insurance company. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I would certainly call Pittsburgh Power if anybody can help you. They can. There's not a lot of help for okay. this engine. Uh, this is. You know, the ISX has been a problem, and, and honestly, I think 07 might have been one of the worst years for that engine. Um, yeah, well, this thing this thing has had a short block put in it because it, it had that, you know, you've talked about them splitting the, the oil, cal- oil gallery. Yeah. So this thing has had a newer block put in about 600,000 miles ago, but I don't think they did anything with the heads or the, or the cams. I'm going to take this thing in and have, have it. In fact, I'm on my way back to Madison now to have a shop look at this thing and give me an estimate of what it's going to take to fix it and see if they can time to peel the valve cover off and take a look to see what the camshafts look like in this thing. Yeah. My biggest fear is... Yeah, I, I think you're going to need to do that, and that might be where the fuel economy is going. The turbo could be part of the problem. I, I wish I had a better answer for you, that this is just a problem engine. Uh, stick around. We'll be right back. Check us out on the web. It's letstruck.com. You can also find us on Facebook.com. We'll be right back with more stuff. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. We're uh, we're going to get back to some phone calls. Let's go to North Dakota. Kevin, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, sir. What can I help you with today? I wanted you to look over my profit gauges a little bit and kind of give me a general uh, you know, once-over and how it looks to you. All right. All right. And then uh, I just want a help, little help uh, with tax planning for this year. Okay. So are you leased to a carrier? No, sir. Own authority, own trailer. Okay. So own authority, own trailer, all miles right now. We're doing $1.84. That's a good start. Uh, fixed costs are running 20 cents. That's truck, trailer, tax, license, insurance, 20 cents. That's not bad. Uh, fuel cost is 63 cents. Tell me a little bit about your operation. I drive a, a classic, one of your favorites, and then I pull a hopper. Okay, so I've got an, I get I get all kind of all over the country. So you've got some challenges when it comes to fuel economy, but that's certainly some place we can work on. You know, I have people yeah. down in the forty cent a mile range. You're at sixty three, so that's something to work on. Uh, maintenance is at fourteen cents a mile. What year is this truck? Oh seven. Okay, so that's I a just had an in frame done. Okay, and that's about to be expected. The the these trucks run in that you know twelve to twenty cent a mile range on cost. So you're up fourteen. That's not bad. The good news is after all that, you're still taking home seventy four cents a mile. That's after all expenses. That's pretty hard to beat. I've been pretty happy with that. Considering it's my first year. Oh yeah, that those are excellent, excellent numbers for first year. No question. Um, so already for the year, uh, you're you're at you're over seventy five thousand dollars in profit. Uh, clearly, you're a candidate for an S corp, and and I would get it started uh, to launch on January first. Well, there now. Uh, what about having equipment to depreciate though? It uh, doesn't matter. Yeah, all bought, all that will transfer last year. All that transfers and I over. A trailer this bought a trailer this year and then bought or then an in-frame too so i'm gonna have a ton of depreciation yeah and that's good because right? that's yes that's going to cover 2014 but we're probably going right. to use a lot of that depreciation to keep your tax down this year next year you want to be an s-corp and that'll help us keep the tax down for next year oh okay all right i wasn't even considering that oh yeah that that's uh, we could end up saving you. I mean, if your year goes the same, we could end up saving you five or six thousand dollars in tax by having the S corp. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. Now you'll spend a little bit of money. You know, you got to file the corporation. You got to pay somebody to do your payroll. So you'll spend a thousand or two in costs for the year. Your tax return will be a little more expensive, but there's still a big gain because, like I say, we're going to save five or six thousand in tax. So I would um, I would get working on that because your numbers do look good. And, uh, you know, certainly if this is your first year, I would expect that these numbers are going to get better. That that's, you know, usually the first year is tough. You've got a great first year going. So, uh, you know, it, it definitely I'm glad you're doing profit gauges. 
because this is exactly why we do the numbers, because we can look at the numbers and we can make good decisions. So it's, it's excellent that you've got the numbers. We are able to look at them, but you, you need to be an S corp for next year. And this year, you're right. The, uh, the depreciation is going to help a lot. Let's go to New York. Charlie, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. What can I help I, you with uh, today? I want to blame you for something. I, less than two months after the seminar, I had three trucks in my yard and a building a week later, and I have four trucks now. Oh, there you go. That sounds like progress. They're all pre-EGR. They're all Detroit, so one's a 14-liter pre-EGR. Oh, nice. Very nice. My question now is, I have this 2004 Century with a 12.7 pre-EGR in it. I'm going to take it to Bruce. I just still didn't start running my own stuff. I'm going to take it to Bruce, and they're going to go over it. But what chances am I having going to have of breaking down and having to leave it somewhere because it's pre-EGR in a 2004? Uh, what do you mean? What chances that you're going to have to leave it somewhere? Well, I didn't. Well, if the people, like if you go someplace you break down and they figure out it should have an Oh, wait a minute, though. Wait a minute. Has this truck been modified or was it truly an 04 with no EGR? No, this was the, the guy that had it before me. I bought it at an auction. Oh, okay. He, I, I got a real good price just for EGR, but he put... A pre-EGR in it. I would, I would avoid taking this to any type of factory shop. I wouldn't take it to okay. a truck dealer. I wouldn't take it to an engine dealer. I just would not run that risk. I would only take it to independent shops that I knew, and that would not hold my truck hostage if something went wrong. That's what I was thinking, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, that, I, that's... I wanna- I want to take it to Bruce and let him go over there. We spoke to him about it in January and then put it in service, like, beginning of February. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I would do. I it's, bring it to the CMC. Yep. No, that sounds like a plan. I Just make sure I would not take this truck into any kind of a factory shop. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. We'll look forward to seeing you in the CMC. Can't believe we're talking about it already, but we're we're planning it. The CMC really has become a full time year round event uh, for Lisa. Mostly, she does all the arrangements and logistics, and it it really is kind of a, a year round thing for her now. It's getting so big, but we're excited about it. Let's go to Texas, Mike. Welcome to the program. Yeah, Kevin, um, I've got a question on the um, downloading the, the podcast. I get yours on, on my iPhone from the um, podcast that I had before, but the last one of Rico's was August 27th, and I don't get any of the other ones. What, what do I need to do, or what am I doing wrong? You know, you're not doing anything wrong. This is an iTunes problem, and it, it's... It's been around for quite some time, and I talk to a lot of other podcasters, and nobody really knows how to fix this, and then sometimes it just fixes itself. Um, There is a fix coming. That is, we're building our own network. 
where you would be able to manage your downloads and your podcast on our site instead of using iTunes. Uh, you could still continue to use iTunes. So if you're using it and it's working, you could use it. But they are having some problems getting shows updated over there. We're not sure why. Is, is there another app that I could add? Um, you know, there. I'm using the app that's on the phone now, but is there another one I could add to? Yeah, I try any of them. I mean, there's a ton of podcast apps out there. So, you know, most of them are free. So you can just download them, try them, see if they'll find the show. Um, Have you just tried doing searches with the name of the show? Well, yeah, I had um, on my podcast, I had yours on there, you know, where I get Rico all the all the time before all these other ones were. And I they come in every week and then like on August 27th, they stop. Yeah. The last one I had gotten from him. Yeah. And that is the kind of issue that we're seeing with iTunes and, and we're working on it and we're working on our own app. So we will have a fix to this right now. My recommendation would be, you know, try a different podcast app and see if you can get that to work. And I'm actually going to spend some time on this, uh, after the show today, because I want to see if I can figure out a way to solve this. Okay. All right. Thanks for your help. You're Appreciate welcome. It. Thanks for the call. Yeah, and this is an iTunes problem across the board, uh, but I, I'm going to go see if I can find any fixes to this. Uh, speaking of the podcast, that's a great reason to stay in touch with us uh, because we are constantly launching new shows. We have a lot of shows in the works. We have some great shows that have already been launched. And the best way to know about the shows, to know the schedule, is to stay in touch with us. Uh, Pretty soon, within the next week or so, um, we're going to put a form up on the homepage of the website that would allow you to update your information with us. The other thing I want you to keep an eye out for is that um, we are starting to send out emails and we're trying to get all of our lists updated and taken care of. So when you see an email from us, even if the topic doesn't interest you, if you could open it and there'll be a link in there, click on the link, It'll take you 10 seconds to update your name, email, and phone number for us so we can stay in touch. So look for our emails and update your info. We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. 
We're going to get right back to the phone calls. We're off to Kansas City this time. Brandon, welcome to the program. How are you doing? Good. What can I help you with? Hey, I got a uh, Cummins ISM motor, and the thermostat, I figured it was had went out because it would never warm up. My motor would never warm up. So right before this coach snap just happened, I had a guy change it and put a new one in it. And uh, it's still like 123 right now. I'm running about 13 boost and 26 uh, was that LOD float on it. And I just can't get it warm. But when it idles, it gets us about 150, you know, just sitting there idling. Is it the cold weather or is it a bad thermostat? Might be a little bit of both. Have you tried putting a winter front on? I put a uh, cardboard box on the front this morning, and it took forever for it to get warm. It was like 17 degrees outside, and, yeah, it, it never, until the sun came up, it never warmed up over like 112 degrees. Okay. What year is this truck? It's an 07. Yeah, it it does sound like the thermostat's just stuck wide open. And so I, I think I would try a set of thermostats. I'd also put a full-blown winter front on this truck, something you can just shut off completely if you need to, uh, which can work even better than the cardboard sometimes. But it sounds like even with the proper thermostats, this might be one of those trucks that just runs cold in cold weather. So a winter front would help. But I think, yeah, I think you're going to have to try another thermostat. Okay. Yeah, I because uh, last year it never had any problem with it. I mean, it ran, you know, 180 or something. So I figured, if it, you know, I know thermostats can be bad when they come out of the box. So, yeah, they curious about that. They can. We've certainly seen that several times. So uh, I would give that a shot. There are a couple other things that could cause this, but I think I would start with the thermostat. Okay. And what is a good book to read for sales? Like how to learn how to sell yourself to customers and stuff, trying to build clientele. You know, probably one of the best authors that I like on sales is Brian Tracy. Brian Tracy's got a ton of, like, programs. So if you do a Google search, uh, you can find Brian Tracy. If you go to Nightingale Conant, um, Nightingale Conant produces a lot of uh kind of self-help management style programs and seminars on tape. And Brian Tracy has a ton of them, and I really like his stuff on sales. Okay, what was the second one, Nightingale who? Uh, the, the Nightingale Conant, C-O-N-A-N-T. And you'll find thousands and thousands of, of programs there, like audio programs that are, you know, seminars on tape, things like that. Um, the other one that I, I kind of like on sales uh, as well is Zig Ziglar. So if you can find uh, either one of those two. Now, here's the thing. There are a ton of good people on sales, really, a lot. Uh, those are two that I like. They're easy to listen to. They've got good stuff. But, boy, that you know, sales is one of those areas where you can find a ton of programs. Let's go to Colorado. Bo, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, good to talk to you. What can I help you with okay, today? Okay, uh, I'll jump right into it. Okay, so uh, I was going to ask you about 
paying myself through an S corp. You know, there's, you know, with me being in into this, uh, one thing that we're all used to uh, receiving as employees are uh, it's called the earned earned income uh, earned income tax credit, and I don't know if it's going to be worth paying the payroll tax uh, to you know to to qualify myself for something like that. Maybe, maybe well, it's just a big waste of time. We don't we yeah. don't do the S corp in order to get the earned income credit because most people are not going to get an earned income credit. Their income is going to be too high. Earned income credit is right, – is, right. so that's not why we do the S-Corp at all. It has nothing at all to do with it. We do the S-Corp to lower your self-employment tax. Yeah, and I guess I should explain too, you know, because I've already got my, uh, my S-Corp. I, I accidentally took it out. Now, it was an accident, you know, but uh, – I've been listening to you for a long time, Kevin, and, uh, you know, for a couple of years. Okay, I'll put a number on it. I don't fancy myself as a, a super trucker or anything like that. But I do know what I know, and I'm very confident. I found a truck, and it was sitting on the side of the road, and it was sitting there for weeks and weeks at a time. You know, and I'm like, well, what's going on there? Well, apparently, they had lost the contract, and they didn't know what to do. And so I proposed them, and, and that's kind of how I kind of... I, I'm working almost as a consultant for them. You know, it's just helping them along, and now they've got their second truck. And, I mean, I'm to the point now where I'm like, I'm I'm ready to go get my own truck. Okay. You know, I, I'm I, I'm in working for somebody else. You know, um, I get a good wage. You know, but I'm ready to go, and I've been saving my money. And good. So anyways, good. I don't need to blab, but that I mean that's where I'm at. Is that's why I pulled my my uh, S corp out, so I wouldn't have. to pay a ton of taxes on what I'm being paid and but anyways I, I just yeah I don't, I don't know though uh, I was going to ask you about uh, site site tires what's your opinion on site tires uh, I, I'm not it depends I mean certainly siping tires makes a huge difference in traction there's no question I just don't think traction is that critically important in most cases and siping will increase rolling resistance. So for me, I'm not going to sipe my truck tires. Uh, you know, if the roads are that slippery, I'm probably just going to park. Throw a set of, uh, of auto socks in the truck. If I get on something really slick, that'll get me out. But I don't want to sipe uh, a truck tire. It just uh, we lose too much in fuel cost. Let's go to... Uh, well, you know what? Um, I want to give you a heads up about our recording schedule and year end accounting. So, uh, the recording schedule, grab something to write with and put a reminder in your phone that that's really the best way to take care of this. Put a reminder in your phone so that when we're recording, you get reminded and we can uh, You just go right to the call. You'll be there to join us. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday afternoon, 1 p.m. Eastern time. And all you do to join us is just dial a number. I'm going to give you the number right now. There's no access codes. There's no secret handshake. 
Uh, you don't have to wear anything funny. Just dial the number. That's it. And that phone number is 347-884-8327. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday afternoon, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, just dial that number. In fact, you can start dialing that number at 1245. And I can promise you this. If you dial that number at 1245 and as soon as you get in, you press 1, you will get to ask your question. I promise. Every time, if you get in early, press one right away, you'll get a chance to ask your question. So I get people all the time that say uh, they've been trying to get through the show. It's really hard. They can't get through. Now's your chance. Join us on the recording. Let's go to Kansas. JW, welcome to the program. And I just have to be one of those callers been trying for months to get through. J.W. Penny Stacker checking in from Kansas today. Well, there you are. You're with us now. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, I got a ComData problem. Uh, I do a bank draft out of, off of ComData, move the money over to my to my bank. How much of a risk am I uh, when I make those uh, numbers over $10,000? Uh, well, it's not a matter of a risk. It just is what it is. They, they, they report it to the IRS because it's a deposit over 10,000, but I mean, everything else is getting reported to the IRS anyway. So it's not a matter of any risk unless you plan on trying to not report all of your income for taxes. No, I just got it filed up there on the uh, ComData card and, uh, well, it's just time to move some money. So I thought, well... Uh, but I heard about that person getting in trouble uh, with with that also. So well, I'm you, the yeah, what they were doing, and, and I don't believe they were doing it on purpose. And this is one of the stories where it's just the IRS running amok. This was just a business that was making smaller deposits like every day, and they were less than $10,000. The IRS somehow decided that they were doing this to avoid the reporting when they really weren't. They weren't trying to hide anything. Their deposits were just smaller. So it was kind of a screwy story. But I, I wouldn't worry about it. Just go ahead and, and move the money around. If it's more than 10000 the IRS will get the report. But that's okay. You're, you're going to report all your income anyway. We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. Don't go away. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment, so I'm going to get right back to some phone calls. Let's go to Texas. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How are you doing today? Doing good. What can I help you with? I got a question about gliders. I, I'm, I'm got a truck now. It's got a 06 C15 cat in it. And 
within the next 12 to 18 months, I'm going to have to do an in-frame, and I'm going to basically convert it back to a 6-inch beat. Okay. Um, but I'm looking at getting a glider, and I'm wondering what sets the emissions on the glider. Like, I know we don't have to go with a uh, an emission engine, but would I be able to put that modified C-15 into a glider and still be all right on the emission side? No. And here's why, because the when we build a glider, we have to meet the emission standards of the engine block that we decide to use. So when they look up that engine serial number, they're going to see that that should be an ACERT engine, and it's not. So then we've modified the emissions of the engine. Now, you can certainly stick a 6NZ in it, but you can't stick a... a you know, an A-cert that's been made into a 6NZ. Okay. Yeah, because it's going to be a couple of years before I get rid of the truck, maybe even longer. But the motor's going to need the work done before that, and I really don't want to waste the money on an in-frame unless I modify it. Right, right. And I would do the same thing. Um, Just know that, when you do go to buy a glider, you're just going to buy it with an engineer. And you know what? Most glider builders today are set up that way anyway. The last thing Fitzgerald wants you to do is drive in a truck with an engine and, and have to swap it out. They, they would just rather build their engines, build their gliders, and be done with it. Yeah. All righty, then. Well, that takes care of that. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Baltimore. Gene, welcome to the program. Yes, sir. How are you doing today, Kevin? Doing fantastic. What can I help you with? Well, I'm uh, just wondering. I want to get some advice from you. Yeah, see if uh, if I'm living the definition of insanity. Uh, I have a 2009 International Pro Star with the Cummins ISX. Uh, I've had uh, the first six months were fantastic with it. Um, I am. I have got my fuel mileage back up to. I'm right around seven miles a gallon right now. However, this summer I've spent over forty thousand dollars over a period of four months on uh, keeping getting the truck up going. I was through the whole regen issue. I pretty much have a brand new after treatment, new turbo. I had an in frame done, new EGR cooler. Everything set up. It seems like every time I fix the truck. I end up saying they were fixed and I can run now, and then a few weeks later something else breaks and I fix it, and I say I'm good to run again is, you know, the definition of sanity. I agree. And, and this is very, very common with these trucks. That's why I sound like a broken record, and I get all kinds of nasty emails. People tell me, stop picking on the new trucks, get with the times, and I'm not going to because these trucks are a problem. They're next to impossible to fix, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. So I'm not going to get with the program, and I'm not going to start recommending these trucks for this reason. And unfortunately, my only advice to you is get rid of this truck. Okay, now I am in a uh, uh, it's a lease to lease to buy program. It's not through who um who I lease on with a different company. Uh, I've actually got this truck through uh, Lone Mountain out in Pacific Junction, Iowa. Okay. And uh, it, 
it is a lease program, but it's uh, a lease per. You know, it's to lease to buy. At the end of my payments, I'll they they sign the title over to me. I thought it to be a. I thought that'd be a fair deal when I got it. Uh, you know, it, actually, it's, I do think it is a fair deal. It, it, it's certainly better than a lease purchased through the carrier. I've found that many of these companies, Lone Mountain and some of these others that do leases and, you know, sell used trucks, I, many times their trucks are, are not the truck I'm looking for. They tend to find all the trucks that I really don't want. And they, in my opinion, they tend to be somewhat overpriced and their leases certainly are overpriced. But... I, none of that really matters except for the fact you have to figure out how to get out of this truck. I, I don't see any other way of solving the problem. Let's go to California. Al, welcome to the program. Oh, hey. Thanks for taking my call. What can I help you with today? Um, I've had to deal with carb. Let's see. Uh, my operation, I've got a flatbed. I own the trailer. It's a... Uh, uh, curtain. I'm on profit gauges. I get 176 for all, all miles. I'm about 39% on fuel. Um, well, here's the thing. Um, what would you do? Let's see. Uh, I've got it all modified, the truck. i got turbo and all that stuff. So in order to get a muffler, I would have to put it back to stock, and that's a $10,000 cost. Plus, the damn mufflers out here are about 24 grand, but I really don't want to do that. No. No, I don't and, like that idea. Um, that's yeah, that's okay. Good, that's what I thought. You know, the other the other option is uh, is traded in for a newer truck. Obviously, I can afford the payment. I can afford, you know, anywhere from fifteen to two thousand a month on a payment. Okay. I called Fitzgerald. I I called them and I left them a voicemail and I and I um, uh, got, also contacted them on Facebook, but they never called them back because I've got a three seventy nine. And it's an uh, owner-operator space. I know it's not your favorite truck, but <laughs> I bought it before I heard you. And um, and so um, it's got all the goodies, everything. I, I think I do pretty good. I average 5.8 in my 90-day, but I run Phoenix to, to uh, Seattle a lot, and I hit the wind and the hills, and I haul ass all over there. So I think for, for doing that, I pass everybody on the hills. <laughs> I think 5.8 is pretty reasonable for considering, you know. Uh, yeah, and, and so I mean, I, it's is, it's hard to get excited about five point eight, but uh, so yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah. So oh, would you trade it on a newer truck? You know, no, I wouldn't. Yeah, because uh, I live in Southern Cal. I about two hundred miles from. You know, I live in Southern Cal. I'm two hundred miles from uh, Vegas, so I could park in Vegas if I really have to. That's that would be the, the third option. And just run out of there. Right now, I'm in the Knox exempt area where I live, and I'm, I'm able to come home with it. But eventually, that's going to expire. Oh well, I, I would keep going home with it then. But um, eventually, I'd just stop running California. Even if you live there, so what? Like you said, you could park somewhere else and drive in and out when you need to. I, I would just stop pulling freight in California. I know people think I'm crazy when I say that, but I mean it. Let's go to Texas, Bob. Welcome to the program. Hey, good afternoon. I've got a question for you. I've got a truck leased on with a company. The company takes and pays me the driver's wages and out of the truck, out of the driver check and then a truck check, they take the uh, 19.5% out to match for my uh, 
income tax. Do I still need to keep money out? I'm a little confused. They, now, they they pay you as an employee and withhold taxes, correct? They Okay, I get two checks. Right. One is for a driver right. and one is for the truck. And the one for the okay, driver pay me as a, has taxes withheld, correct? Yes, sir. And then the 19% matching tax comes out of the driver check. Right. The way it should. They're, they're just, that's just straight payroll. They're just doing payroll the way they should for an employee. This used to be a very, very common setup, especially back in the East Coast and the Midwest where the unions were heavy. It wasn't unusual to be an owner-operator and work for a union carrier. I did it for a while, and I, I was in the union as an employee. I didn't last long, uh, but I did it for a little while. Okay. And then they would cut a, a separate check to rent the truck from me. So it's it's pretty straightforward that the money you have coming out of the payroll check should cover that tax. How much how big are your truck checks every week? Give me a, an idea. Uh, average. Well, thirty five hundred to four thousand a week. A week. Okay, so then you definitely fuel and everything comes out of it. Yeah, so you definitely need to be uh, setting some money aside from that as well. You need to be doing some estimated taxes out of that, and I would set aside. I would set aside eight percent of those checks every week. Okay, no, I'm grossing about two dollars and twenty-one cents a mile. In, uh, my settlement is running to the truck about that before they take all of the income tax and the fuel and all the insurance and everything they take out. I'm I'm working out with about 75 to 80 cents a mile clear after you, that for maintenance. Yeah, you need to be setting aside about 300 a week. Make it 8 or 9% of that uh, check, and, and that should take care of it. I'm all out of time. Thanks for joining me. I'm going to get out of here, but we will see you back here next time. Check us out on the web. It's letstruck.com. You can also call us if you need anything at all from the Let's Truck team. Give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. 855-800-3835. The website's letstruck.com. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Be safe. Be profitable. Do the hard work and master the journey. Good night, everyone. I'm Kevin Rutherford.